Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of SpoilerCast, a Hungry Gamers offshoot that aims to inform and educate you on one particular release from within the video game culture universe. And on this episode, we are tackling none other than a game that was released recently on November 10th, as a matter of fact, and it's scored 85 on Metacritic. It's been developed by Ubisoft Montreal and published by Ubisoft. Everyone's new Viking fantasy dream. We're talking none other than Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And joining me on this raid, the Shored to My Shield, Australia's John O'Peck. You can find him on them socials at John himself. How you doing, man? By Odin's Raven. I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> We are we are here. We have uh, been been traversing the English countryside now for the better part of a month. Uh, we've finally rolled credits on this absolute gem from Ubisoft. Uh, very well received, very well reviewed out there. Mm. Uh, review scores. Uh, you don't see anything lower than sort of a four out of five or an eight out of ten. Outside of a website called GamePro, only gave it a six point five or sixty five out of a hundred as per. The wiki grab but uh metacritic uh lower score was an 80 on playstation 4 but if we're talking current gen now 85 on the ps5 84 on the xbox series x and 84 on pc so mm. very very positive press doing the rounds for assassin's creed valhalla and i'd agree with that you know yeah, sort of, if we're going to sort of have some opening statements i would very much agree with those scores yeah it's a game that i have found is deeply flawed because it's so big and there's so much in there that it's so hard to nail everything but that said, had a great time, enjoyed it, and we'll get into all the reasons why very shortly. 100%. So, uh, yeah, it is It is a very, very big game. Like, the most recent spoiler cast we did was about Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is uh, <laughs> night and day yeah. comparison to, to Valhalla, where you, you can wrap uh, Morales in under 10 hours, where this is, like, I rolled credits on this game, at about 85 hours oh well i didn't actually roll yeah. credits per se but i finished the main story of this game in about 85 hours time what what say you how did you uh finish up what was your final play time i didn't actually check when i was finished but i am pretty sure it was very close to that by the time i got through the extra missions that i left till the end which we'll talk about later um i yeah i reckon it was if not 85 then maybe 90 hours and, th and that was with me trying to rush for like the last 20 hours because <laughs> yeah, like, yeah there's just so much to do like this game is so big and it's funny because they say the map is smaller than odyssey but it feels bigger with just the sheer amount of random world events you can mm. do and villages that you can take over raids you can do just random you know on your on your on your long ship just cruising down the rivers and, and singing a song and pulling over and pillaging and plundering and then going back on your way like it's uh it is impressive uh the sheer scope of this game and um i, I guess we could probably start with with some of the changes from from Odyssey, which is the most mm. recent entry into the Assassin's Creed franchise, uh, how have you found it? Do you think it was changes for the better? Do you think it was a bit of a step back from what we got uh, running around, uh, you know, old old day Greece, and now we've got olden day England and, and the United Kingdom, or what have you? I think that it's an improvement on Odyssey in almost every single way. To be honest, there's a few things yeah, I second that. that were like big adjustments from odyssey like for example the the way that you use the bird the eagle in odyssey is mm -hmm. kind of really useful you can identify where enemies are you can tag them you can find loot 
you can't really do anything with the with the raven in this game except for identify like a target or a mission like objective yeah or get the highlighted area yeah Yeah, or you'd have to actually use your eyes when you're up there with the bird's eye view to go okay i think there's there's a guy over there there's a guard over there rather than them just a very video gamey thing of pinging them and they're different color so that that was gone um early in the game it's like there's you know you notice very quickly there's not this huge amount of loot and weapons and things to to churn through but i really liked that limited you know amount of of weapons that you you get through you don't have to constantly change something you can focus on the the style that you like um for me it was i I landed on the hammer in the right hand and the the axe in the left hand i like that combination after experimenting a bit that's brutal that's brutal like i um I, I played for probably the first third of the game with dual axes, yeah. <clears throat> dual sort I of hand axes. Too, yeah. And then um, I, I experimented a little bit and, and did like dual shields for for just <laughs> laughs and stuff like that for a minute. Used, used um, you know, the big two-handed axes, the big great swords, just to sort of see how they felt. But for the vast majority of the game, I was, I was sort of more speed and, and a lot of quick DPS. So mm-hmm. it was the two-hand axes and then I shifted to the two saxes, which is, you know, the little daggers. Right. And just going in, it's just like, and it's like a million little cuts. It's like that death by a thousand cuts was just the perfect way for me to play. I really enjoyed just the way you could be agile around, you know, mobs of enemies, mm. do mad damage, but also um, still still look pretty cool doing it's it. It's so satisfying, isn't it, the combat in this game compared to previous ones. Like I've avoided combat, especially in Origins and Odyssey. I, like that's when they switched to the triggers instead of the... You know the the, the, the face typical buttons, yeah. like Arkham style, just square mashing and and dodging. So that is something I really liked. Like the hammer, I was like one shotting guys by the end of it, which was pretty pretty sweet when you get a bit overpowered. Um, and just yeah, having having that versatility of saying, you know, I want to I want the hammer, but I also want the axe, and you can have both. And the fact that they, they don't play exactly the same. Like if you have it in your yeah. alternate hand, you have a special ability where you can just like do, like hold it down essentially and do the really rapid succession attacks. And it, depending on what you have equipped in your other hand, they'll like play together or not, which I thought was a really kind of uh, a detailed way to break that down. And it, it reminds me of like the games where, you know, think of like Mass Effect where you can use your power and your squad mates' powers together and it creates yeah. like a different effect altogether. Yeah, there was some really cool synergies. I liked, um, I used the flails for a minute as well just because those things, once they start swinging, oh, yeah. once you get that momentum yeah. of that thing, <laughs> get out of the way. you just rain hell <laughs> on these these poor English soldiers. Uh, but it's, it's really cool that each weapon feels and plays differently. They obviously both have, or they all have different abilities as well. So it can synergize not only with the weapon in your main or your offhand, but also the armor sets you're wearing. Mm. So there's there's sort of three armor subtypes. There's the, the, the raven style, there's the bear and the wolf, and all three of those then lend itself to, to certain skill trees where your raven is more fast, light, rapid attacks. Your... The, the bear is sort of your more big, heavy, slow-wielding uh, dual-world items. And then the the wolf is sort of somewhere in the middle, you could mm-hmm. say. Um, as far as the uh, the armor sets go, I wore the the raven, uh, like the 
the Ravensthorpe, like your, I guess your 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 family's armor or your your clan's armor. I pretty much wore that exclusively the entire way through the game because going to the blacksmith and leveling up your weapons and your armor, you can then get it to certain tiers of quality, and with that, you get more rune slots, so you can socket runes in your armor and weapons to get more abilities or more defense or more attack buffs and things like that and then also you can unlock certain abilities when you're wearing more of the same armor set so if you've got four out of five or five out of five you can get higher crit percentage uh you know more damage low health so on and so forth so a heap of different Mm. variables on the armor and um it looks so great and leveling it up and then seeing just the the added level of prestige that goes with the armor when you bump it to superior and things like yeah. that and you see more like gold trim and just more swag at it it's it's awesome yeah the level of customization i think really makes it feel like an rpg more than it has in the past and they kind of tried to to make the games into that style in the last couple of releases but it, it didn't quite work across the board it, it was more like they, they're giving you like leveling up and they're giving you uh, loot that has stats which wasn't in the game you know years and years ago but but mm. having the ability to yeah like specialize pick your um style of combat with way more you know finesse and way more nuance and then also having these options to as we'll get into either play as the male or the female avor but also customize your look with your tattoos with your clothes with your hairstyles and beard styles if, if you're the male um i don't know if the female could grow a beard but i don't think so no beards <laughs> yeah. no, no beard options with the female uh, uh yeah. yeah so so yeah that's that's the great thing the game starts off with uh you selecting if you want to be male or female able or letting letting the aminus sort of do it for you where depending i guess on decisions you make in the game it would reflect you as more male or female i don't really know how that works and i didn't sort of look into it too much to see how it i guess roulettes that Mm. within the game i played i played for the first third of the game exclusively as male ivor and then i pivoted to to female ivor fell in love instantly uh i've i've realized one of my (laughs) my sort of female types is this strong norse viking woman like braided hair and all that kind of stuff like my goodness gracious i was uh playing with hard eyes for for the final like 60 hours of this game um how cute and yeah the customization with the character to make every ivor our own is phenomenal uh being able to to yeah have the hairstyle you want the the tattoos you want and that's on the face the arms the back the chest and then also then uh being able to hide any type of um armor or like the bow or something like that on your person as well. So you can really strip the person down and just have them uh, maybe showing off the cloak and, and no bow and arrow or the tattoos. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it was like, I was rocking. I, I was like, these tattoos are so cool, but then you throw on this, you know, cloak and it's obviously pretty cold in England. It's all these warm clothes, but I wanted to see them. So I did make them like, what do you call? Like you, you hide the clothes. You yeah. still get the stats yeah. for it, but you hide it. And that way, like I was just rocking the, like the shirtless look for the whole game. Mm-hmm. It's it's a great little feature. Like it's it's so simple and doesn't take away from the experience at all. But it just that little personalization option that you've got in there is really great. Mm. So I love Ubisoft for doing that. I think that's that's fantastic. Um, if we're talking customization and leveling, there is a very 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 big skill tree. Like uh, I'm, I've 
I think when I finished the finished my experience with the game because I dabbled a little bit after finishing the main line and whatnot. Uh, I finished at about I think three fifteen to three twenty uh, level, uh, like with my skill point level, and there's still a lot of points that I haven't haven't populated in there. So the game is very dense from a from a skill tree and leveling perspective. I like that you can go wherever you want with it. You aren't stuck where you have to go. Uh, one and work your way yeah. down the tree you can sort of cherry pick the three subsects and you can sort of see where they're branching off with like this this clouded area you know there's going to be something over there but you don't know what it is so if you just hit the point close to it it'll then open up and show what's over there so then you can start populating more ranged attack more um, survivability more stealth whatever mm. you want to do you can you can build your ivor however you like and i'm all about yeah, it. I, I tended to look at what the special abilities were in that area and go, oh, okay, that one lets me jump from buildings without getting fall damage. So I'm going to work my way over to that one. Or, or that one lets yep. me, you know, switch, switch my dual wielding weapons around. Like there, There's just all these kinds of perks that you can build up to, whether they're active or passive abilities. And that was kind of what dictated the direction that I went at all times. I, I love that too, that... that um having some of these abilities that were that were passive you don't have to worry about having muscle memory to hold in a button to then press something on the face mm -hmm. buttons to, to trigger these yeah. things it just happens in game and it just makes the the whole experience so fluid uh you've still got that super smooth assassin's creed traversal that everyone knows and loves where you're just holding in a button and you, you're scaling walls scaling buildings scaling cliff sides whatever it is like it's it's the best movement or free movement in a game I've played. Like we, we did a spoiler cast on Ghost of Tsushima a couple of months back and like comparing that to this, like the traversal mm. in Ghost is great, but this is, you know, this is the crowning achievement, I think, as far as getting ascending, descending areas, climbing, free running, all that. Assassin's Creed and Ubisoft have just nailed that formula. Did did you play Syndicate a few years back? I don't think I did, yeah. no. So I think that was when they put the biggest focus on parkour and having that feel really quick and speedy and it, they, they've dialed it back in in recent years which it, it was kind of just like you hold it you hold down the button and parkour happens which yeah. isn't yeah. probably as much fun as feeling like you have a bit more control over it so yeah i think that what it's doing now works really well there was some instances similar to like we were talking about Miles Morales the other day where, you know, if you want to move a certain direction or like jump up onto, jump up a post onto a, a, a roof that's just above your head, it can be like hard to specifically go those small distances or if you're running through trees chasing after one of those flying uh, tattoo drawings or something, like it, it could be a bit finicky to, to get exactly where you want it to go. There's some ways... There's still some room to improve the game, just knowing what you're trying to do and making it work. But yeah, I think for the most part that that felt pretty good. Hundred percent, and um, it also felt good with the stealth, yeah. uh, stealth kills. Whether you're whether you're dropping from a, a rooftop or a tree or any any sort of vantage point, whether you're coming from you know a bush or a thick bit of grass stealth killing getting enemies like drawing in their attention to come and take them down uh, even just donning the donning the the cloak hood uh in sort of densely populated areas and blending in with 
with groups of people mm. or luring a drunk or whatever it is like it's it's really fun to be to be going incognito on the fly like that it is funny though that like you know you put a hood on suddenly you don't look like a very imposing viking yet you've got this full viking garb with axes yeah. on your hips and stuff like that like it's it's you know it's a pretty special hood it's that that sort of superman clark kent sort of glasses scenario again but yeah it's a mechanic that they need to work in and they've done that and they do it well yeah i I enjoyed the stealth when it was like the easiest way to take down a bunch of dudes in you know uh, an area i didn't so much mess around with the social stealth which is like you're blending into crowds pretending like you're like sitting on a bench or um luring the drunk i didn't really mess with that because if someone was chasing me i just tended to either kill them all or run away completely so I think for people, especially if you're fans of like the original Assassin's Creed, that was so much more of a uh, an element of the gameplay. So it's it's a nice throwback to that. And if you want to feel like you're smart for outsmarting the guards by doing that kind of stuff, it is there. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, it was very few and far between my stealth moments, like killing killing cultists and things like that. Yep, stealth all the time for the most part, just because it's quick and easy, and most of the time it's a one shot kill. But when I'm running around these various cities throughout England, uh, yeah, I'm usually just running around. If enemies see me, I'll kill them. Like my body count would have been in the thousands easily, <laughs> I reckon. I killed so many people uh, and then using some of the abilities in the game and, and one of them that I really love is where you like sort of just mash and throw a heap of axes, like a heap of hand yeah, axes. Yeah. You throw like eight of them or something and getting a few random citizens done with friendly fire and then you get the, the warning it's like you know desynchronization will occur if you keep killing killing random you know npcs i had that happen fairly frequently because abel's aim with those hand axes seemed very uh hit and miss yeah there was the, the you've got the abilities that are attached to like your your right hand and then the ranged ones on the left like on the sorry the left side of the controller um yeah and the, the right side had like an, an axe throwing ability that was kind of automated. But then on the other side, you had to kind of aim the axes. And that was, I think, the one that you're talking about where um, it, it is like five or six throws. But I, I never was able to really connect on them. So I stuck to the to the automated targeted ones. Yeah, the, the combat is great in a sense where you can be right in the thick of it like traditional Vikings where you're you're just swinging with reckless abandon but having the the bow and arrow and the three different types of bows allow you to potentially strategize how you might be going in or taking over an area being able to use the predator bow and and in essence which is the sniper version of it and you can one shot most of the the sort of static guards that monitor uh the perimeter of these buildings and then just sneak in unscathed get the get the item save the person whatever almost undetected it's such a good sense of success and a feeling of just being awesome. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you can get into one of these hostile areas undetected, only pick off a select few people, get what you need, and then get out before anyone even had a sniff of you in there. Like it's it's such like a punch the air moment, I think. Hmm. But it's very few and far between for me because for the most part, I'd get detected, and then I'd just go, all right, let's just kill everybody. <laughs> you know, you're all dead now, and um holy moly you can kill these enemies in a whole host of ways uh depending on the enemy the kill animations uh, archetypes you've yeah you get different killing motions and finishing blows with each of each of the enemy types my favorite one i've decided was more of i think it was on like more of the grunt enemies where you sort of 
uh, have your axe embedded in the guy's neck and you sort of punch him a few times. Then you on the last axe, like on the last punch, you, you punch their head off. <laughs> that one was uh, that one was something. But you're impaling like pikemen with their with their spears. Yeah. The the big brutes, you're strangling them to death. Uh, some of the I guess more traditional knight looking characters. You're smashing the bejesus out of them with their own sword, and then like stomping on their heads. Like, yeah, there's a lot. It of does not hold back from the violence yeah. and the viscera and the decapitations and dismemberings, and I'm all about it. Yeah, for sure. I think well, before we get too far away from Odyssey, I had a lot of issues with that game's size and the way that it handled side quests, which was essentially mm-hmm. that they pumped them in there to to give you ways to level up your character because they had caps on the main quests where you couldn't even really attempt it if you weren't at a certain level and i really enjoyed that they went away from that in a a few different ways first of all you can attempt any part of the game whenever you want and if you're under leveled then it's just going to be a bit harder um you know by the end of it when i was rushing through i was actually playing on easy so i could pretty much try anything and i have to avoid attacks maybe a bit more but you could get through it, which is great for people that don't have like a million hours to throw into a game. Mm. And on that, I think the side missions themselves as like the world events is a huge improvement where instead of, you know, go and catch me 20 alligator skins or whatever it is, you know, my wife's cheating on me, go assassinate the, the guy that's doing it. It's these little vignettes of story that i actually care about that happen in the same space as the quest giver is hanging out so you don't really have to you know log it in your journal see where it is on the map quick travel somewhere ride your horse somewhere it's happening right there and then so you can do it and forget about it they don't even log it in your quest list like it doesn't even show up so if you're not listening and paying attention to what they ask for you have to kind of go back and try and talk to them again and hope that it's clear. And I really think that's a cool way to approach it. It kind of reminds me of like Red Dead Redemption 2 where there wasn't so much focus on uh, the the video gamey kind of like, here's a checklist of things that you have to do. Mm. Actually look around, use your eyes. What are the, what do you see? And what does the environment environment tell you about what's happening in this space? And by the same stretch, like there's notes that you read in this game that tell you information that's really important for these kind of investigation missions where you have to, you know, figure out who's the traitor or who's guilty of a certain crime or something. And it doesn't just tick off a box in your journal that says Brenton's guilty. You have to remember what it said, which is good and bad if you're just rushing through it. And I really appreciate that approach. And it it goes hand in hand with the way that I mentioned the Raven doesn't just automatically pinpoint these targets for you. You have to actually use your eyes and it's less handholdy, which is something that makes it a little bit harder to get into when you're just used to being spoon fed, you know, um, objective markers and, uh, checkpoints and all these kind of thing in games but i think it makes the game stand out a lot more and it it makes you feel more immersed the sense of place is so much more where these people are populated 
but you can't go 100 200 meters without running into someone that has their own little story their own memorable little personality and and back story and history that you can kind of glean from these really quick interactions and i just think that was totally missing in the the past few assassin's creed games i agree like this this whole location or locations that you go through and encounter during your run through in valhalla every person is there for a reason it feels like like as you said um the fact that it just opened this world up for you right from the get-go and you could go anywhere on the map if you wanted obviously varying difficulties would be encountered based off your level at the time but you can go wherever you like and uh just discovering and seeing these areas open up off your own exploration is great as you said like just being able to stumble into these random random world events where there are five to ten minute loop at the most and usually you're meeting some cool characters getting a a fun or interesting or endearing payoff like there is a good amount of variety in in the tone of those world events like there's somewhere i was just pissing myself laughing with just the insanity and absurdity of what i'm dealing with right now and then there were some really nice ones had me smiling and laughing and then there was some really sad stuff so i like that there is Mm a nice variety in, in what you're going to encounter on on your way to, I guess, the the main focus of this game. And that's sort of uniting or, or buying enough good faith in these various regions around England. Uh, like uh, yourself and your brother Sigurd have left Norway, uh, to, much to the, to the disappointment of, of your father or Sigurd's true blood father. And you sort of see him as, as your adopted father because he raised you after mm. you lost your parents in in the opening opening scene but you take a take a select crew and and go to england and and you're going to uh you know get this plot of land and you you've got your settlement and you've got your people and then you're just going to go out there and and make these bonds and and build up your reputation and your clans you know the raven clan's reputation around england and you meet a whole assortment of characters along the way but in essence that's what this game's about it's just about getting your settlement and your community and your people in the best position to succeed long-term. Like, you know, Sigurd's the Jarl who you could say is, you know, the king or the ruler or the the boss man of said settlement. And I think it's pretty great. Like it's, you know, it's a, it's a simple life that the Vikings have. They, they pillage and plunder all for the good of their people. And I guess for uh, the good of their own reputation, you know, they want to be seen as, as very special warriors or, or uh, very important people amongst amongst the world, and uh, I think uh, Ubisoft had done a very admirable job in in conveying that in in your journey, and, and you do meet a whole host of characters. Uh, I think we can probably both agree on you meet probably too many <laughs> characters. Uh, you can yeah. get lost in in their unique names or the unique locations you meet them, and uh, it is a very sort of rinse repeat with some of these areas and factions you're trying to befriend and and uh get these get these pacts with but overall i loved that part of the part of the game just going to uh uh, you know essex or gloucestershire or unique painful name that is almost (laughs) always a struggle and very tongue-tied to the west or whatever it is you know and and i liked uh the unique locations unique characters and, and often the unique payoffs with some of the stories yeah that's definitely something that stands out compared to previous Assassin's Creed titles as well is that it has a gameplay loop that I guess the very first game had 
a home base that you'd come back to after every mission but for a long time it's more just been like here's an open world and go wherever like yeah. you, you go from one place to the next you know you clear out the the area you finish the story mission in that area you move on to the next area in this game you've got your settlement and that's kind of in the center of the map and from there you are going to each territory and forming an alliance with the leader of that area so it's it creates this loop where you go there you meet someone you figure out what their problem is you fix their problem there's usually a big battle at the end of the area yeah the big assault there's usually yeah a, a big assault them, yeah. on their you know their rival in the area who's questioning their power or whatever it might be and then you head back to to do it again and it's a it's a strength and a weakness at the same time where uh, i think that we sometimes we crave repetition in a sense like you think of a game like metal gear solid 5 where you're building up your mother base and you know you go out and it's you kind of get stuck into that loop and it really you hit the ground running and you just kind of get into a groove but it can get really repetitive in a negative sense too where the stories which are really good but they just start to blend together and you know there's only a handful you know there's probably 15 or so yarls or kings that you help and that you befriend and i could probably only think of five or six off the top of my head and i could probably only name yeah. like three of them because the names are really hard to pronounce Can confirm <laughs> <laughs> and that's one called goodwin and i was like oh thank goodness like a, a yeah. proper like like this sounds it sounds i don't know if it sounds racist because they are our, our own ancestors being anglo-saxons but it's like <laughs> a name that i can pronounce um yeah and, and i think that the, the the fact that they didn't reuse the characters much that they weren't reoccurring much kind of goes as a as a negative for me and i know that maybe it didn't work with what they wanted to do but the result being that by the end of the game i couldn't remember uh what i'd done at the start of the game really and we'll yeah, get we'll yeah. get to that a bit more in the spoilers section but that's definitely a negative probably for some people more than others. Any any other general thoughts uh, you wanted to maybe maybe sort of cover off before we maybe start pivoting into some of the the uh, more spoiler-centric um, yeah. aspects of the there's game? A, there's a couple of negatives that I should mention before we move on. I had a lot of glitches in my experience. I think you probably had some less than I did, but you know, there's a, a few that, um, I will talk about later because they're spoilery, but just like usually to do with an NPC not being in the spot they're meant to, like they might be hovering or slightly um, unable to get to where they're meant to go, which means you can't mm -hmm. interact with them, which means you have to reload a quest. Uh, I had boss fights that I had to restart because they got caught in an animation. Um certain things happening that yeah one of them is a really big spoiler so i'll get to it later but there was there was a, a few of, of those things that kind of tarnished the experience it, glitches are just an inevitable part of a game this big usually um i don't recall experiencing as much in red dead or the witcher 3 so you know i, I know that ubisoft has real, has kind of a patchy hit and miss record with these big games and there's been some disastrous glitches in the past 
there was nothing that was game breaking or reoccurring. It was more just these random things that would happen, like you know, dudes hovering in his chair, which means I can't talk to him, which means I have to do the world event all over again, and that's frustrating if it happens constantly. Thankfully, it was probably only every few hours. Did you have yep. similar yep. experiences? Um, I didn't have anywhere I had to re like I never had to reload the game or or do a fresh save. Yeah. Um, my my issues and it's sort of grain of salt stuff now because we we got this before day one, so we had a, a copy of this game. Uh, you were playing on PlayStation, I was on the Xbox, and this was before the you know the patch. the day one patch that everyone expects for for games these days. So. Uh, I will admit, once that day one patch loaded in on the tenth, all the issues I had went away immediately. Really, mm. outside of uh, I think a similar spoiler that we'll talk about later, everything else was fine for me. My my main issues I had was um, audio started going out of sync during uh, interactive cutscenes, or, or it just stopped altogether. Mm. So I'd be listening, and then the audio would stop. And then it'd sort of take a few seconds to catch up and it'd sort of pile lines on top of each other. Right, right. Uh, and that happened for probably two to three hours of, of gameplay intermittently in one chunk oh. or one region. Wow. Uh, so that made it a little bit tough. Like, Luckily, I had the subtitles on so I could still fathom what the hell was going on, mm. but it did break the game a little bit for me there. Only major glitches I found, I had a had an NPC I needed to talk to and somehow he got on top of an open doorway. So he was standing on top of that, like doing his little little pivot rotate mm. on a doorway that was, you know, two inches thick. So all I did then, I sort of exited the, the house area that he was in, just ran up the road a bit and then came back and he was, he was off in any spot. So I didn't have to sort of reload into a game or fast travel to an area and fast travel back. Um, yeah. On the fast travel front... The load times prior to PlayStation 5 or Xbox Series X, they were pretty hefty. <laughs> they yeah. were huge. Yeah. So that's it, it kind like, of maybe a nitpick. Was, for me, you'd be running around, you'd get, get to your marker on the map and a cutscene would trigger, but it would go black for 15 seconds before the cutscene would begin because... Oh, damn. Yeah, it was... I, I was on the PS4, not the PS4 Pro. So it really was like chugging to get there. But once ps5 patch and everything was out it was really just smooth didn't notice it at all the the, the fast travel was for me about six or seven seconds if if you were going back to your settlement it was longer because i guess there's a lot more to load in if you were reloading in the exact area you were in because you i don't know maybe you're trying to like do a stealth run it was like two or three seconds yeah 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 it was they they were felt like it was non-existent sometimes like mm. the the cliche pick up the phone and fluff about <laughs> on social media while it loads is gone yeah, and um sure. it was this this game was night and day going from the the 1x to the series x and going from maybe a 45 to 60 second load in to in those denser areas to a handful of seconds was insane so uh the hardware certainly made a made a big difference there anything else you want to want to say mm uh in general thoughts and what have you before maybe we start going more spoiler talking about characters and things uh within the game yeah just to finish off like you said the game looks fantastic it's it's beautiful Mm -hmm. the environments are gorgeous you don't really think of england as this like picturesque location but it really 
is like I, I, maybe it's just the way that the game's rendered with the sunsets and the open fields and the you know the old ruins of 800 AD where it's set but um yeah it's it's a feast for the eyes for sure and it's, and not to mention when you're back in Norway and climbing those mountain tops what what did you think of the settlement because to start off with I thought it was a really cool concept you know you go on these raids you get your resources you build up the settlement and then at a certain point it felt like kind of just something they threw in there to as a bit of a carrot on the stick because you know a lot of the buildings that you're upgrading they didn't really do much for you there was these feast bonuses but i never felt like i needed to hold a big feast to get the extra you know the extra the, buffs yeah and the extra like buffs that. and then there's like you know the fishing pole and like i never used the fishing pole if i wanted to catch a fish i used my like um my axe in the river i just jump in the river with my axe <laughs> and swing it around i went fishing quite a lot like i've i've got that's that's another one of my kinks if there's a fishing element in a video game i will put some good hours into that like i was (laughs) stopping at random little rivers and streams and and fishing holes and throwing my it's a glorified like bit of rope with i'm guessing a hook on the end of it but it looks like a rock and just sling it in there and then yeah you want you reel your fish in i did that for a good few hours catching an assortment of fish like i caught some big fish too i've got some screenshots where the fish is like two-thirds of the size of avor like it's phenomenal so i was using my bow i'm big on that um occasionally yeah i loved i love the settlement aspect of it but i'm with you like um the buffs helped because i I played through the full game in normal and i Mm. I got into a few areas that were maybe 40 to 50 points higher than my current level so those buffs getting the additional increases to damage and defense and things i noticed did help a little bit in some of those areas my gripe with the settlements is obviously yeah you can you upgrade and you put more buildings in you end up having like a you know a an art gallery almost in essence or a museum you could say you've got certain little farm sheds for for cattle and, and your chickens and then like a granary there uh you have to upgrade two or three of the or three of these i should say those three i just mentioned like three three times to get to the maximum yeah. level of six on your settlement and they don't change aesthetically really like there is another row of of corn or another row of berries in there or a silo for the chicken pen that that gets dropped in there but aesthetically the settlement doesn't change much and it always felt weird that they didn't put any protective measures into this thing like there is no walls (laughs) there's no guards on patrol everyone's just cruising around having a good time and i wish you could customize some of the buildings a little bit i like that you could uh there are certain areas in your settlement that you could put various totems or bits of uh you know, war items there or trees or shrines to start customizing it and making it more your own in that aspect. So I thought that was cool, but I'd love to be able to change the aesthetic of all these buildings. Yeah, there, there was the customization of being able to put in little statues and, and cool stuff around, which I thought was pretty handy. And I did like the sense of community that you get there, similar to, you know, you walking around your Red Dead camp as Arthur mm-hmm. and talking to people and it's not on that level at all but the fact that you could recruit people and see them down at the docks or you know you find a a wolf or a dog on a mission and then you send them home like i thought that was a cool little thing to have your little pup running around and avor always like calls out when he sees them and and it's 
cute. I, I like that. And that was probably um, something that made it, you know, fun to go back there. But that, yeah, yeah that, that, that's all I have to say pre-spoiler. But um, yeah, I, I guess to sum up, it's not a perfect game. I think it's way too big. If you're someone that wants to like play all the games that come out, it's hard to like for me it was hard to 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 get through this knowing that you know I wanted to play all these other games that are, that are coming out at the moment and feeling like we I had to finish for this review as well. But if it, if you want to play this for like the next few months, like you're going to have a really good time. If you want to 100% it, you're going to have a good time. Uh Again, we didn't really get into like the order that exists in this game, which is kind of like the cult leaders in the the in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. But again, like I didn't go down the the rabbit hole of chasing all of them down because it was just too much to do when there's other games to play. But having said that, if I got an itch to go back to this game, I could probably still get another twenty plus hours out of it if i was like okay i want to get these um you know legendary weapons and do all the all the collectibles and everything because it is a a fun world to kind of exist in there's a possibility that on a rainy day i go back to it i guess yeah I'm, i'm with you like um it's a very very big game and that might throw some people off but anyone that's played an assassin's creed uh, title before this will know what they're in for mm. like this is a game that you're not gonna uh, finish over the span of a weekend by any stretch of the imagination so you've got to be in it for the long haul love the characters love the the overall story and some of the directions it goes uh, i thought there were some unique things they did with this game uh, which we'll talk about in the spoilers shortly but the combat felt tight uh, it felt really good being a viking i've got a a very strong love of uh norse mythology and things like that and just vikings and and that way of living in general so it's certainly probably got some additional points from my heart in that regard there was a few few glitches and things i didn't overly agree with in the game but overall like as we let off it's it's about an 85 on metacritic i i'm not gonna uh debate that score at all i think yep that's probably about where i'd score it it's one of my favorite games I've played this year. Uh, it deserves a lot of award consideration for a whole host of things they've done within the game. But um, yeah, overall, if, if you're looking for a game to to tide yourself over for the coming months, I know it's, it's a crazy video game season at the moment with a lot of big heavy hitters out and uh, obviously soon to be out as well. But if you're looking for something that you can just chip away at slowly, explore a great world, uh, enjoy the combat, enjoy the characters, and just get lost in, um, yeah, sort of uh, ninth century England. Mm. Uh, certainly give this a look because uh, I can't speak highly enough of this. It's probably now now I've sort of reflect on it a little bit. It's probably my favorite Assassin's Creed game I've played, and that's probably pretty high praise because yeah. there's some phenomenal entries into the franchise, and this just ticked all the boxes I was looking for. Yeah, Black Flag's always been my favorite and the one that made the biggest impact on me. Haven't played it since two thousand and what 13 or 14 when it came out so it's hard for Mm -hmm. me to say that that's still my favorite when this is so fresh in my mind and i'm sure going back to it would possibly be not as as good as as it was at the time so the fact that it's you know in that conversation for for the best assassin's creed is yeah as you said high praise and 
you know, I, I wouldn't tell everyone to rush out and play this because maybe you do want to wait until you've got like a clear month with nothing to play and then you can just really enjoy it and not feel like it's too big. Um, I think going into it, we, we heard that it was a smaller game than Odyssey. So I was expecting kind of like 40 or 50 hours, which... They lied to us, John. Yeah. They lied I, to us. I was hoping for that um, just for reasons. But um, yeah, it's very much not that. And our I should say like my 85 or whatever hours includes skipping, you know, going after the treasures that I'm that are popping up on my map and knowing that there's something underground there, but I don't know where the entrance is, so I'm just going to ignore it. Like, you have to get to, to that point if you're going to have any chance of finishing this game under 100 hours, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm tipping about, I think, 95 to 96 now. Like, I've finished the, the main, and then I went back and took down the cultists yeah. and zealots and did some random things, like random more world events and found certain armor sets that I wanted to fill out or, or items. And there's still so much more to do. And there's already confirmed DLC on the way as well. So, mm. you know, when this is all said and done, for those completionists out there, you could have a, a potentially 150, 200 plus yeah. hour game on your hands that could tie you over for, for a very long time. Yeah. All right. So if we pivot and go full spoiler, uh, anyone that hasn't played the game and do, don't want to get uh, anything spoiled, Maybe uh, pause the podcast now, come back when you've played a little bit. But Jono, where, where do you want to lead this off? Uh, well, I think you've got a very important question in our agenda here. Who did you bed slash marry? Yes, yes, that uh, <laughs> certainly was high. It's very high on my priority list. So um, uh, the good thing is because uh, Avor, male or female, They'll, they'll sleep with anybody, well, not anybody in the game, but there's certain people you can meet within mm. the game, whether they're uh, part of the main the main story themselves or maybe they're just ancillary characters to a certain quest. Uh, if you're male, you can sleep with male or female characters. And if you're the female, Eivor, you can do the same. Mm. So um, I ended up uh, dating Petra the Hunter yes. that uh, settles in your establishment. I dated her for a while after having a uh, <laughs> great fun on... Um, on a on a side quest, I think it was called "Have You Seen This Man?" Where uh, Petra's Petra's brother yeah. goes wandering, gets lost. You and Petra take some mushrooms. You have a bit of a bit of a drug binge frolic through the English countryside, fighting um, various wolves and beasties, and you sort of develop this bond there, and it's really cute. So I was dating her for a while, but ultimately. I slept around on my travels a little bit uh, for ones that, that I'm like, all right, I like the cut of your jib or you're a good looking guy or, or girl or I like I like the sass you're giving me. I will, I will, yeah, certainly um, sleep with sleep with you as well. Uh, luckily, you don't like Petra. None of that gets back, got back to Petra. Um, <laughs> so you, so you never broke up with her? I did break up with her in the end. And, How did um, that go? Uh, full... Full spoilers. It was okay. It was actually like, it was sort of like, yeah, okay, I get it. Fair enough. <laughs> Wish you well type of thing. It wasn't like she shot me with a bow and arrow or anything. Uh, so Ranvi, who is Sigurd's wife, yes. uh, which is like a pre-arranged marriage just for, you know, back in those days, marriages happened like that mm -hmm. for, for land and power distribution and stuff. Uh, they're, they're together and Ranvi ends up falling for, for Eivor and you go on a little side side quest with her and there's an option there to sleep with her, uh, or, or you know, say no, no, it's never going to happen, or this isn't the right time. You know, you're with my brother, type of thing. And I went the right way. Then I'm like, I could see myself with you, Ranvi, but I'm like, no, it's not the right time. You're with Sigurd. 
I love him. I respect your relationship. But at the end of the game, they break up. So after that, I'm like, now it's my time, baby. <laughs> they broke up. I went and told Petra that we're done. And now I'm with Ranvi. Uh, we're, we're a lesbian Viking power couple, uh, you know, dominating Ravensthorpe and uh, just living our best life. Yeah. So I did that mission with Ranvi. I don't know if I'd missed something or if I was skipping through certain dialogue. But I was like, this chick's pretty cool. Um, you know, Sigurd's been gone for ages. I didn't even make the connection that they were like together or married. <laughs> so yeah, we, we got it. We got together. Um, we had a beautiful day. You know, it was one of those days that, you know, a pop punk band might write a song about, you know, we mm-hmm. looked up at the stars and held, you know, fell into each other's arms and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, we spent the night together and uh, got back and that, that was all, all good. And then Sigurd comes back and he's like, Hey there, wife. And I was like, oh, okay. I did something bad. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, if you try and kiss her or take her to bed after that, she says, oh, not while Sigurd's around, please. You know, yeah. we can't let him catch us. And I was like, okay, we got ourselves like a bit of a, a Pearl Harbor situation going on here. He's back from the war. <laughs> do I, what do I do? Um, You're the Josh Hartnett in this yeah, situation. Yeah. <laughs> Poor, poor Ben Affleck's come back with one arm. and mm-hmm. <laughs> So, yeah, I was pretty stoked when Sigurd kind of... He, he never found out about it, thankfully. No one ever, you know, snitched on us. Uh, but he said, you know, things are over. wasn't a real love. It was a loveless marriage and whatever. So now we're, we're full steam ahead, very happily. Um, you wrote in this question, who did you marry? I don't know if... We're married. I don't know if you can marry anyone, can you? Yeah, I, I choose to think they get married ultimately. Right. For for Yaldum and whatnot. Yeah, off so screen, you, you, yeah. you never see it. Like you see you see a couple of couple of, like a marriage play out in the game, mm. uh, with with your blacksmith friend and and his adoring wife that you can't understand a word <laughs> she says ever, which is the best. Yeah. I don't know what lang- like what native tongue she's talking in with that, but I was in hysteric sometimes when your eyeball is just responding like yeah. dead pig. He, he doesn't understand oh, what yeah, she's saying. Yeah, either. for sure. I think yeah. she must be like Welsh or like Scottish or something, like one of those northern um, islands where they, they have a bit more of an accent. But because you can kind of, it sounds like she is speaking English, but then it's like, yeah, it's, it's quite funny because other people can understand her. Uh, this, this might be a good time to talk about our favorite characters or world events because there's so much memorable stuff that happens. We, we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier in the game, there's a few that I wrote down that I'll go through. And I think you did it. You really nailed it when you said there's such a variance in the tone. Um, one of the first ones I did was this, this couple where the romance was gone. There was no spark and they first got together during a raid and they wanted to recreate that feeling. So you're in their house and you're like smashing things, lighting it on fire. And, the, you know, the more damage you do, the more, you know, it stokes the, the romance and like of their, you know, their lust for each other. And you just walk out and you're just like, what just happened? And that was, that really set the scenes for me. Like this game isn't taking itself too seriously. And you can see that from like, they, they mm. included like the, the baseball the American baseball player in this game, Sluggerson, who stands out like a sore thumb. Um, But then, yeah, you've got some more serious ones. There was this one called The Devout Troll. I think that was the name of it. 
and it was this monk who was like real like hardcore about like converting you and you're living a sinful life and uh, and all this kind of thing and Eivor's kind of at his little hut going there's something weird about this place and you kind of investigate a few things and find this like torture room basically and that the, the monk has been um just like he's basically like a serial killer so you have this interaction and he tries to kill you and then you obviously slay him i thought that was was a cool one did you do that one um i don't think i did that one to be honest no mm, okay um the barley brothers i don't know if that's the name of the mission but there's these two brothers that are farmers and they're working together and they're arguing about like one of the guys is in charge of distribution. One of them like grows the barley and, you know, um, harvests it. And they're arguing about how much money they get, like the 50-50 split or whatever it is. And the solution, it doesn't like, again, like the game doesn't tell you what to do. But the solution was that you just set their farm on fire <laughs> and <laughs> it, it forces them to like basically stop fighting and try and save their farm. And I think by the end of it, they are still angry at each other and Eivor just walks off like, oh, well, <laughs> yeah. like some people, I tried. yeah, some people <laughs> never learn. Like there's more important things than money or whatever. Um, the, the smack my bishop... <laughs> Um, that was phenomenal that, i stumbled across that just randomly as well yeah. and i was in stitches so that that world event was called yeah the prodigy which i didn't know until i sort of looked it up to see mm. what it was actually called for for the show notes and yes it is perfection yeah i was in stitches so you get there and i i can't remember exactly the setup but it was basically like a, oh there's, there's a group of people who are trying to play music i think and the bishop of their community is like really hard on them saying that it's like all music comes from the devil or something. So you mm. pretty much just have to like fist fight this Bishop. And when it's over, they start singing smack my Bishop. <laughs> it's just, they, they sing it a few times and it's really catchy. It's obviously uh, a reference to the prodigy song and just a great little Easter egg to throw in this game, like totally unexpected and not topical at all, but it just—it's just so welcome. Yeah, I just—I just rolled past those ruins on the way to something, and there was yeah this random little little festival going on almost, and yeah the the bishop was was against the music, and and the guy that's singing the song they actually named him Keith in the game, obviously <laughs> for for direct uh, nod and acknowledgement to the singer from from the prodigy, and yeah when they started singing "Smack My Bishop" after you did beat him in that fist fight i was pissing myself laughing it was just so great so great and um yeah i was i was very big on that That's very great. big so the we didn't talk about this before but the flighting in this game which is the viking poetry battles the rap battles or if you're like a monkey island fan like i am it's it's kind of like the insult sword fighting i loved those as a as a little um a mini game i guess that you got the drinking games we didn't we should have talked about this before with like the the sense of place and this this world feeling much more fuller than odyssey and, and origins but they've, they've got these you know the, the dice game the, these little things that make each community feel a little bit more alive as you hear these people calling out to you and challenging you but my favorite of those flighting um rap battles was you're going up against this guy who's taken like a vow of silence, a monk. So he pretty much just like stares at you and gestures and his brother somehow interprets 
what he's trying to say to you as you go up against him. And I thought that's just such a weird, kooky thing to throw in there. Um, and as I said before, I really take my hat off to, to Ubisoft for, for not being afraid to to have so much fun with these things when it, it can get really dire. The, the, one, the last world event I'll mention is there's this tower that's kind of growing out of a lake or something. And there's two kids that are like, oh, mister, can you help us? Our dad's underwater. He's searching for like, I don't know, a jewel or something. And you go down there and he's just drowned. And you have to come up and either like lie to the kids or tell them like, your dad didn't make it. He died like trying to, you know, provide for you. Go off to the next village and tell them that you're orphans or whatever. It's so heavy, but it's also like, speaks to the the authenticity i guess of the era where the world is a, like i think avor says like the world's a dark place or something at the yeah. end or the, the god the gods are you know harsh or something like that and you just go yeah like there would have been so much messed up stuff happening you know i think the the vikings are portrayed pretty do, do they even call them vikings in this game i don't know if they do but Oh, they get called a whole host yeah. of different things. But at the end of the day, like they're farmers. Like when you look at it, like they're farmers that yeah do love battle. Yeah. Like- and I know like historically, like the, I think the Vikings were known to be like really brutal, especially around like the way they would rape and pillage their mm. enemies and like kind of leave no stone unturned and that kind of thing. And that doesn't like that the Danes are kind of the good guys. So we don't really see that so much, but yeah, it is still a, a dark time where there's just conflict everywhere. There's, you know, kings struggling for power and no one's really afraid to throw a, a sword in someone's back or whatever. So, yeah, it's everyone looking out for themselves. And, uh, yeah, like you alluded to before, I think they did a really great job of balancing those, you know, there's some sweet stories with kids and then there's these hilarious things like smack my bishop and then obviously the, the the darker side as well yeah like like that side quest you mentioned there's another one you do sort of early in the piece when you're in england and you come across a, a young girl uh standing out the front of her farmstead waiting for her father to come back too mm. and you go find him and like and she's looking at this i think there's like one leaf yeah. left on the tree and um you, you can you can choose to be yeah hard and stern with her and say you know what your father's never never coming back you need to move on or you can be like, you know what? No, he'll be back. Maintain your hope. It's going to be okay. And I like that you you had those options where you could, uh, I guess, have a little bit of an iron fist and, and just be harsh and open and upfront with these people or not really let them down gently, but still allow them to to hold on to that hope and, and sense of their hmm. family members coming back and it's going to be okay. What did you do for that uh, one? I told her he was coming back. So that poor girl, like I rolled past there a couple other times and she's still standing there out of that tree looking at that leaf. So yeah. I'm like, oh, I, I said he's, I probably should have I said, said he's no, long he's gone. gone. He's, not, he's not coming back. <laughs> and she freaks yeah. out at you. She's like, you're lying and she doesn't want to hear it pretty much. Yeah. Well, uh, I probably should have went that way so she could have moved on because she's still standing in that field today. But um, to this day, some of the other ones, like the stink brew one really cracked me up where you find this lady that wants you to oh gosh, uh, go yeah. get all these viper eggs because she just wants to do these really bad farts to all these people she can't 
stand. Yeah. So she's like underground. She's like under yeah. the city, and she in the sewers, and she knows like if she farts, there's like vents above that it'll it'll fly up there. <laughs> yeah. So you get her all these all these viper eggs to do the the most nasty passings of wind that uh, England had ever seen, I guess. <laughs> Uh, the an our thing for the half crown is one you sort of mentioned it earlier where you, you run off with this group of kids uh, that are part of part of your uh, settlement and that's where you uh, go save this wolf and mm. uh, helping them name the wolf and everything like that you know they come up with their three options and you can choose what they do or what they name these things which would then carry on through the whole game I thought was really cool yeah. when you go back and you see the kids and you see this this wolf. And on the topic of wolves, there was a, a random world event slash, I guess, pseudo boss battle I come across where this this town was completely uh, devoid of anybody because there were these three, they're called the corpse eater wolves and trying to fight them together. I was so underleveled at yeah. first. These things destroyed me. And I tried it a few times, kept getting destroyed. So I came back a few levels later, took them down. But I like that they bring in things like that and touch on some some of the, like the mythological uh, mm. areas as well like the legend of beowulf did you do that side quest where you fight grendel um i don't know that i did that specific one i did a couple of wolf bosses so it may have been it was like a kind of an arena style area but i, I definitely did that one where there was the three that you had to take down and yeah, mo- yeah most of so- them i came back to when i was overpowered because i didn't want to really struggle through them yeah, so this Beowulf one, it's it's big in, in North Norse mythology. Why did I say Norse? Uh, North. It's big in Norse mythology where um, Grendel is sort of this this large deformed creature of um, like this this sort of mythical mm. mythical woman and he goes and pillages and destroys and harasses these villages and, and kills a lot of villagers in doing so. So you partner up with... Uh, this uh female nun in the area and hunt hunt grendel down and you find him and you can you you take him down right and then you go find his mother deep down in these caverns which i thought was really cool um and blink bringing all that together but um yeah a lot of a lot of great side world like a lot of great world events uh characters really good assortment of characters uh the the main the main sort of grouping of characters you're dealing with obviously sigurd Basim, who is uh, uh, one of the the people, uh, one of the the OG assassins that you meet along the way, yeah. and then he's sort of speaking a lot of nonsense into Sigurd's ears the whole time, and uh, sort of taking Sigurd down a different path you don't always agree upon. You meet a lot of Jarls. Uh, you meet a lot of big personalities from from history, from uh, Norse side as well as the English side, which is cool. Mm. But yeah, I, I like the assortment of characters. I like the the stakes that some of the quests you have with them play out potential uh, mass losses or people that you care about yeah. along the way have a chance of dying. Yeah, any anything you want to mention on characters before maybe we go down the the route of some of the locations you yeah, go to I or mean, one location in particular? There was a, a a mission like a when you pledge to a region you have to go there and as I said before typically it's like solve the conflict and do the big siege battle at the end and they come to your um to be your ally but there was one or two i guess that stood out because that wasn't the formula and the one that i'm thinking of was there's this king 
who's married his queen and they're fallen out of love and he wants you to smuggle her out of the country so that he can marry his first love his like high school sweetheart essentially yeah and i thought that's such a cool departure from all this other killing and and stuff it's just you have to there's obviously still combat attached to it but the goal is to essentially stage this kidnapping that's that's not real (laughs) and set the scene for that and she wants to get over to france or or whatever it is as well so um it's yeah it's more kind of like one of those classic uh hollywood heist kind of setups and i I thought that was a, a cool way to go and i wish that they were a bit more creative with that and you know there there was some variety in the way that those different alliances played out some of them it was like you know the young soon to be king who has to prove himself or it might be um a king who you know is struggling with one thing or another you've got the blacksmith and his soon to be wife that's mission you had the yeah. the one where it was like your childhood friend and I enjoyed that one because it was like he didn't want to become the yarl because yes, his father his was father, the yarl yeah, exactly. sick and he, passing away. Yeah. yeah, so his father had like sickness, was was soon to die, and you had to decide like who is going to take over, and that was like a really hard decision because they there was like a clear way to go, and I just selfishly was like. Oh, this guy's my friend, so I'm going to take him back to my camp. And I don't, oh, I don't you, you did that? No, I I told him like, mate, you're going to be the king. Wise up, you know. The Yarl seat's yours next. You need to you need to snap out of this nonsense of just wanting to be a, a free roaming Viking. Because uh, I thought the other other obviously the the the, the Yarl's main right hand mm. man. He's getting long in the tooth as well. He's very up there with age. I'm like, yeah, going to protect this this settlement. Yeah, I was just like, ah. Uh, I don't really care about you guys. I don't even know you. I'm just going to take my friend away. He's going to help me out back home. So, see ya. <laughs> yeah. What do you, what do you, what'd they call him? Like, shit stick or something? I think the nickname was. <laughs> yeah, something like that was his nickname. Yeah. I, I don't recall the, the backstory. I think it was, yeah, it was something to do with, you, you, could, you could tell it was like a, a kind of like childhood nickname that he yeah. he kept throughout that time. But, uh, yeah. So, there were some memorable ones amongst them, but overall, you know, you, you get to the to the final big battle where you are fighting with Guthrum. He's like, it, it's his battle. And all of your allies from the game are there. You can go around and talk to them and, you know, you can see the effect you've had on their lives. And I'm just walking around going like, I don't know you people. I don't remember you. <sighs> See, I, I remembered them all. I was like, oh, I remember when we did this, and ah. you know, the, the two the two brothers, and and one of them making a pass at you at um. Actually, that was another wedding you went to, uh, where yeah. the two brothers and one of them wanted to you know take you to bed, and I, I turned him down. He yeah, wasn't really too. my cup of tea, and then he ends up getting killed in one of the battles anyway. <laughs> you know, so yeah, so so it was just like it felt like a like going to a family reunion where you haven't seen these people for like twenty years, and you're supposed to like care about their lives because they're related to you it's just like in in the same sense i was just like i don't know you like (laughs) i can't remember why this is significant and maybe because you finished the game like a bit quicker than i did by probably a week or so it took me a bit longer to get there where i was probably rushing through some of those missions and didn't take in as much uh and some of the, the main characters that I cared about along the way had died already. So they weren't there. 
Um, in particular, there was um, was it a, a what was his a- name? Albert? Yeah, the, the, the young the fella. young fella that was going to be that Ivar kills. Yes. So yeah, yeah, we we haven't even mentioned that like the sons of Ragnar Lothbrok are in this game. Obviously, who's probably universally declared one of, if not the most famous Viking right. uh, out there so as I far as exploration yeah. and things go. So you meet Uba and Ivar. Ivar historically was a great war tactician, but they said he was a little bit unhinged, a little bit wild, and it plays out in this game. Like yeah. He makes some crazy decisions and, and causes a lot of drama in just about everything you're connected to him with. Hmm. And he kills um, yeah, Eobert, who's the son of Eowulf, who is a Jarl from another area uh, that would ultimately hand it over to his son when he becomes of age and he's too old. And he kills him just to create conflict because he just wants to fight you. He wants to yeah. see who is the greatest, most famous Viking if it's going to be Ivar, uh, yeah, Ivar or um, Eivor, really. Which, you know, one and the same. You could mm. could have a writer that could could mess the, those, those wordings <laughs> up in the, in the great gnolls of history. But... Yeah, end up fighting Ivar uh, because you you discover that he killed Aelbert, who's just this young sweetheart of a kid. Yeah. And you're watching him sort of grow up throughout the story. Mm. And that fight you have with Ivar up on top of this sort of mountaintop is fantastic. Mm. And then you can choose whether to let him die with honor and die as a warrior and give him his weapon as he as he sort of moves on um, into the afterlife. Or, but I think we both went, you know what? Stick it up your backside, Ivar. You're not getting your weapons here. You're dying with shame and you're going to almost... Um, Helheim. Yeah, Helheim, which is yeah. certainly not where you want to go. Yeah. And apparently, like, these choices you make throughout the game because you have a few moments where, you know, with Dag kind of challenging you in your own settlement as well and you have to fight him and decide to send him to Valhalla or Helheim. There's a few of these moments again whether you side with sigurd when he's unreasonable as the the jarl in his ruling over a dispute the decisions you make affect whether or not sigurd stays in norway or comes back and lets you take over the the tribe so to speak um i didn't didn't realize that they had kind of branching endings in this game which is a a, i think it's a new thing for an assassin's creed title and kind of a, a cool thing to, to make it feel a bit more like an rpg too yeah which which i loved um full spoilers my ending sigurd stays around uh he hangs yep. out at Same. the settlement after handing over the yaldum to yourself but you must have been pretty close for him leaving especially like because you started a relationship with ranvi when she's still with sigurd was that one of the things was it that was one of the things okay. so i found the, f- the five main ones so it's stealing the cargo right at the, at the jump so you know when you're first going yeah. to Norway and you can choose to leave leave the y- your father Stierbjorn the cargo or you can take it with you right I, um, I think I left it yeah I left some but so that would have been a bad mark for both of us the relationship with Ranvi is another one punching Basim when they have a fight I didn't do that like when there's a disagreement, okay. you've got an option to to sort of smack bass him. I didn't yeah. do that. Um, denying Dag his axe, I gave him his axe. Yeah. So if we denied him that, plus those other ones, your Sigurd would have went back to Norway. Mm. And um and then the last one is yeah, contradicting Sigurd in his judgment of the settlement inhabitants. That was tough. So they're like, the five. I, yeah, I sided with him because uh, yeah, it, it was interesting that they gave you these kind of moral conundrums throughout the game. 
um, on top of you know the investigations of who the traitor is and I think I, I was like 50-50 with getting those right and wrong <laughs> but um, that particular one was, was tough but I, I did side with him and thought you know he is the you know I will respect his decision and if I didn't do that then it sounds like he would have stayed in Norway yeah he would have went back to Norway if you uh, didn't on that last one yeah. you would have been a 3 out of 5 and he went see you later so I like that there is some variety mm. in that regard. I wouldn't be upset if they ditched all the modern world stuff altogether in these games. Um, anytime you had to jump out of the Animus yeah, and walk jarring. around present day, yeah, very jarring and just unnecessary. And obviously, you lose your cool assassin abilities. You're just walking around clicking on stuff and traversing items and areas. Yeah. like Just not needed. Uh, I know that there's this greater science fiction story that they tell with these games, but yeah, just just make Vikings games. <laughs> like I loved everything about Viking life. I didn't need to jump between areas and locations, and yeah, I just think it's unnecessary. What about yeah, you? Yeah, I agree. I never really liked them. Um, the first time I came out of the Animus, I'm pretty sure I got straight back into it. So I. I didn't yeah, even. Me too. I didn't even walk I looped around. around. Looped around the cab. Went. Yep. That's enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. Back in I go. Um, but as far as this game, I think they did a pretty good job of connecting it to what was happening in the Viking world with Sigurd having the vision to go and find this location that Maya is it Maya has to Layla so that Layla has to Layla. go and find at the end of the game so. You know, and having Basim in th- thrown in there randomly, and now he's in the the present day. Like that, the 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 history, like the past and the present, have kind of like met up, so it feels a bit more relevant. But that said, you could take it away completely and do something yeah. else, and it would still work. And I think Syndic- Syndicate probably did the best job of ignoring all that stuff completely, even. I feel like Odyssey and Origins didn't have much of it. They're, they're they, doing less and less of it, yeah. which is great. Um, yeah. But yeah, but just it, sometimes yeah. it's just so jarring. It, it is, especially when you forget. You're just like, oh, re- right, this is an Assassin's Creed game. Like yeah. it ha- has to have that crap in there. I did enjoy kind of listening to some of the audio diaries, hearing Nolan North and remembering that he was Desmond. Um, and there, there was a weird thing where you see um, Eivor's grave at the end and i'm like yeah just dug up uh isn't he a viking like isn't he meant to get like a viking burial isn't he meant to be sent off to sea or like burned or something yeah yeah instead he's just buried out the back of boston somewhere yeah (laughs) and it made me wonder like is this a sign that kind of hinted towards the end of the game he's lost his faith like he's lost his belief in the viking religion he says it's all meaningless and when you die you don't go anywhere is that does that sound right yeah it's that's that's pretty well bang on the money like he he pretty much abandons odin in that final battle when when they're trying to walk out of the great hall and things like that and they're battling in just this black void space and yeah he says it's all a bit of a sham and yeah it is what it is there's no there's no afterlife and whatever when we die we die I guess that's a perfect sort of segue uh, talking about the Eivor's beliefs or lack thereof in in the old gods. And um, it certainly took me by surprise the fact that you do end up spending a large portion of this game in Asgard Mm. uh, filling the shoes of Odin. And um, 
I thought it was going to be just a little throwaway sort of flashback after you go see the seer. But the fact that there's sort of three fairly sizable chapters that you navigate while in Asgard uh, that also then comes with a pretty pretty hefty boss battle at the end of it, um, if you'd like as well, really took me for a loop at the, to, at the to start actually. Like when you go and have the, the vision and you end up in Asgard and you're, you're hanging out with Loki and Thor and Freya and all these old Norse gods, I thought it was... I thought it was strange, like it tied into the overall narrative, but it really was just jolting for me. It felt like it didn't felt like it needed to be there overall, but I know what they were trying to do as far as expanding on uh, Norse beliefs and seeing through Eivor's eyes, I guess, that disconnect from the old gods and the old ways. Mm. Uh, like you see through a lot of um, sort of viking history and and ragnar and co where they do start denouncing their gods and embracing christianity to also broker peace and get their you know get land deals with with english tyrants and what have you but yeah the asgard peace it went for a good long time Hmm. um i enjoyed it but i probably could have done with a lot less of it what do you think about the asgard sort of sections in this game yeah very weird It, it almost felt like a different game in a lot of ways, yeah. like like a DLC kind of like a Blood and Wine in the Witcher kind of thing, where you're in this different area and there's like different rules and different laws of of nature, and there's the history with the giants and and all the remnants of of them and that kind of thing. So it was cool as kind of yeah a world building thing to kind of cut away and expand on the lore a bit more, but very surreal and. and definitely caught me off guard especially because as i've mentioned to you i kind of fell asleep or i was when you were transitioning yeah, through, yeah. Right? i play games late at night and sometimes when there's like long cut scenes or slow sections of games it happened a lot with the the first chapter of red dead redemption 2 every night i played i kept falling asleep but um you know your you, you birds like flying in and it's flying through like a kind of Alice in Wonderland-ish kind of portal and you're like, okay, what's going on? And then you, uh, op- it, it comes out of this portal into Asgard, but I slept, I, I must have nodded off for that part where it comes out into the land of Asgard and for the very first, like, cutscene. So when I, like, kind of shook off my, you know, sleep and picked up the control and, and kept playing, um, I was like... Oh, where am I? You know, you ju- you jump <laughs> down, and uh, and then people are like Loki's there and Thor's there. They're talking to you. They're calling you Harvey, and I was just like, well, "What happened? Like, I must have missed a huge cutscene." I like reloaded and went back and saw what I missed. I was like, "Oh, I didn't really." They just drop you in there with no explanation yeah. and not like an, an introductory cutscene. Much there's like those three, um, witches or whatever they are, like that stand there with the covers over their faces talking about the prophecies and stuff. But yeah, it, it was, um, it took a little bit to get my head around. It's okay. It's Eivor kind of reliving these experiences of, uh, you know, these as guardian gods, so to speak. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I feel like, it, it, it was a it was a, it, in one sense it was a really cool moment because it you know 
I keep talking about Red Dead on this podcast, but it reminded me of, of like that section in that game where you go to a different part of the, the world, different part of the map, mm-hmm. um, an island, um, without spoiling it too much. And you're like, oh, wow. Like it's kind of mind blowing because you're like, there's this whole new section opened up and your brain starts running wild with the possibilities of like, you know, is, is this going to have its own local quests and its own merchants? And is it like this? this own separate world to explore and it really is like there's i don't i don't think there are any merchants but there's side quests there there's you know yeah. there's different like there's all the tears you've got to collect to then yeah. offer as a as a, a tribute to get some type of uh boon off i i couldn't have been bothered no. hunting down <laughs> all 32 of the tears in in both the worlds you go into in asgard there but there's certainly mm. some emphasis uh or yeah, leaning towards those people that do hunt those trophies and like to be completionists. There's a lot there to yes to sink your you teeth into. Spend that's for a lot sure. Of time there, and it kind of ties the game together in a sense as well. As far as like Sigurd having this sense that he's a god or that he's a descendant of a god, and the whole motivation to push him to go find that place of power in Norway. And to kind of tie the story into what's happening in the present day with with Abstergo, so it it does have like a really strange importance in like the actual story of the game. And as mm. the in the cutscene that I sent to you, like the kind of hidden ending to this game, if you collect all of the um, what are they called, the anomalies that happen around the map, it each one pieces together like a small section of a cutscene, and I guess that's been that's something that's been in a lot of the past Assassin's Creed games. Like you get this little yeah, snippet, correct. yeah. And the full cutscene is essentially, you know, it's Ragnarok, and each of these gods kind of with this high tech equipment down like it's, it's like uh, Ragnarok Stargate. Yeah. <laughs> like I was getting crazy Stargate vibes where. Odin and, and everybody are strapping into this mm. machine and getting their DNA like up, extracted yeah, like uploading and their deposited in a, in a chamber something. with babies. Yeah, yeah. It's like they're uploading their consciousness into yeah. into these future, into a future generation, which, you know, essentially Ave, Odin to Eivor, Tyr to Sigurd, Loki to Basim, Thor to Hafton and Freya to Svala. Uh, I don't even remember all of these characters from the game, but uh, it definitely is most probably most relevant for Eivor, Sigurd, and Basim as far as their storylines kicking through. Um, yeah, it was. Um, it's kind of cool to see, like, or when that penny drop moment occurred uh, when I started working out when I was early in Asgard, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is gonna be like Tears gonna be Sigurd. I see the uh, the likeness in Loki and Basim in their faces, sure. uh, and things like that. And it was kind of cool to to have that light bulb moment. Really, I'm like, okay, now I see where they're going with this, and, and showing the history and and confirming that Basim is actually an old god reborn, really, mm. as Loki. And seeing him, I guess, traverse and do his trickster thing that he's always done, uh, and the reason he hates yourself and Sigurd so much is because you uh, tie up and, and 
destroy his child, which is Fenrir, which is a giant wolf. So that rips uh, off yeah, Loki, Sigurd's arm as well. Like yeah, t- yeah, chomps off Sigurd's yeah. arm. But yeah, you sort of end up trapping Fenrir for, for all eternity because this this giant uh, wolf child was going to bring about Ragnarok in the end of days for the Asgardians. And, and as Odin was very fearful of losing his power and, and sort of seat at the, at the head of the table, he did all he could to avoid that and, and went against his brother's wishes and promises and acted in ways that were not overly kind, but was just due to his own vanity and not wanting to uh, yeah, relinquish any form of power. Uh, one thing that frustrated me though in Asgard is you didn't have any godlike abilities. Like you were still just mm. able, rolling yeah. around, you still took damage, you still had standard combat. Where you see Thor doing some stuff and Loki doing some stuff and they've got a little bit of magic going on, uh, a little bit of uh, elemental action and stuff, but you're just still a normal a normal warrior on the battlefield. I thought they might change that up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you've got like what the the mystical moose or whatever that you're riding around on. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, um, they sub out your horse yeah. or the or the wolf if you got it from the um <clears throat> what is it, the savage pack or the hunter pack or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, right, like there's no you know, you can't I guess they didn't want to break the game by letting you f- fly around or do anything too crazy with physics, but yeah, it would have been cool for your weapons to have some kind of flair on them. I don't really know Harvey's kind of backstory around his particular elemental persuasion if uh if if thor is the god of thunder you know the equivalent of that i guess but yeah it, it was I, I i said to you like i did that first mission and then i kind of accidentally returned to the normal world and when i did that i was like okay that's such a departure from this that i'm just gonna save it till the end so i didn't go back there until i'd finished the main story yeah it's um it's certainly night and day compared to to ye old england mm. and, and doing the traditional viking pillaging and raiding and whatnot yeah. um and it did overstay its welcome i think it was probably a few hours too long i know they were diving deep into a lot of norse mythos and bringing in characters like the builder and and sort mm. of uh bringing in folklore where like that part where you're going into the the fallen giant's boot to yeah, uh, cool. to get get the uh, the cauldron that makes the the magical brew and things like that. So it's kind of cool that they weaved in some stories from the old times and the old worlds, but it did go for a little bit long. It was crazy though the the recommended level jump from when you finish the the main story parts to when you have the final mission in there where you you've got to take down Fenrir. And that thing is like what three forty, I think it was, or something like. Or was it two eighty? Yeah, two eighty. I think because I, I didn't have any trouble with it. I think I was around three ten when I did it. Yeah, I stumbled in there the first time at one forty, and it was a mission. Like I was severely underpowered. I got him to half. It took me about forty minutes, I think, to get him half Whoa. health down. <laughs> Jeez, and I was sort of. Every every shot, every hit counted, yeah. and, and then he'd one shot me and things. But I went back and got him. But you and I, I think, had the same issue with this, where when Fenrir does a move where he burrows underground yeah. and digs around with reckless abandon and busts that out. Bugs Bunny. One time he did that. He he left the arena part when he dug underground and just never came back. 
So I couldn't do anything. I couldn't hit him. I couldn't mm. trigger anything to get him to come back to me to continue the battle. Yeah, I was halfway through the battle when that happened. And if it had taken me 40 minutes to get there like you, geez, I would have been really annoyed. Uh, luckily, I was over leveled. So it didn't, you know, didn't take me too long. I had to play the, the cutscene before it again. But yeah, that was one of the more frustrating uh, glitches. Probably, probably the worst one, though. Um, was fighting against Odin in Valhalla or the simulation of Valhalla. Yep, um, yep. And, you know, it's it's kind of a, a cool story moment in the game and then the door opens up with Sigurd and you have to run over there and that's when he, like, pulls you back by the axe and he just keeps pulling me back by the axe and the game kind of tells you to, like get rid of your axe, unequip it or whatever. So I was trying to, I couldn't. And uh, I was like, okay, I must be doing something wrong. So I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd keep attacking him. I'd let him attack me. I'd let him kill me. Nothing really worked. And then, you know, I, I think I eventually Googled it or something. And it was like, you you know, let un unequip your axe and, and then you'll be able to escape. And I was like, well, that's what I was trying to do. I had to restart the whole thing and go through the cutscene again. And it was just like, it would have been a really cool moment in the story. Not quite on the level of, you know, playing against Psycho Mantis and putting your controller port in the, the second control port. Uh, but it was it's that kind of thing where you have to like use, a, a, you know, a, me a mechanic of the game as the player to overcome this this boss battle and I, I think that's cool when games do little innovations like that um and it just it didn't work for me so i, I felt kind of felt kind of robbed of that cool moment yeah yeah i i had that moment in full and it was was mighty impressive and uh not only from the i guess the the big symbolism and the disconnect from eivor i guess abandoning and saying goodbye to the old gods and the old ways and moving forward just as his own man or woman type of thing and because he's because throughout the game you've had you've got odin in your ear mm, throughout the entirety of the game like in big big moments or when you're killing cultist members and things like that odin will pop up and give you a little bit of advice or try and steer you in certain directions almost like um you know you're his puppet to a degree he's trying to to shape you into what he envisioned you to be yeah and then uh, that end sequence there with with the unequipping of of the axe uh, is is your big I'm done with you goodbye. So it sucks that you sort of had a <laughs> little bit of a broken experience with that because it was really powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a bummer, and that, that's just one of the many weird glitches I came across while we we're talking about Asgard. Like, there's the, the a house that you have to go to, and there's a few times that they they do this kind of puzzle where there's something hidden hidden in magic. And mm -hmm. you have to approach it from a certain direction or else it doesn't appear. And I mustn't have approached this house. But I I kind of... And, and maybe it was the way they meant it, but it seemed like a glitch where I found the house. It was invisible. And I was like climbing the the house and I was standing on like an invisible house. And I, oh, wow. and I could see like the there was like a, a chest or a door and I could see that you know, when you go into Odin's vision, you could see there's something to interact with. So I'm like climbing up to get to it and like skirting around, like I'm um, doing this parkour on this invisible building. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure this isn't what I'm meant to be doing. 
because I'm standing no, right not on at top all. of <laughs> I'm standing, <laughs> not at all. I'm, I'm standing right on top of the like objective marker and nothing's happening. So I like reloaded it and did it again and the house appeared and I was like, okay, probably a glitch, uh, I think. But <laughs> Yeah, those those puzzles in, in Asgard were a little bit annoying. But um It wasn't that clear. It was kinda cool. It wasn't exactly clear no. on how it works. Yeah, exactly. You need to find like one of those special rune stones really and walk on it from a yes. certain way. But yeah, I'd struggled with that for a while to to work it out to actually see where that house was. And it was kind of cool when it did pop up and you're traversing, yeah, these big giant vines and mm. whatever else and mm. and even seeing where the the um the great serpent came through and you can see like his scales in another area where he's rubbed up against that tree, like the big giant tree. Like there were some yeah. really cool visual moments in in the game in Asgard where he's like, whoa, like getting some real God of War vibes right now. Yeah, I was going to say some of the locations. It, it was cool to like go to Jotunheim and see kind of another imagining of this setting that we know from God of War. Yeah. Or if you're into Norse mythology, then you might know it from a book or from a film or something. I agree. Well, maybe we'll sort of park Asgard for yeah. now. And touch briefly on sort of the collectible side of the game. So that can encompass loot, whether it be weapons, armor sets, that can be your Roman artifacts. Uh, and the other one that we sort of chucked in here uh, that sort of goes hand in hand to a degree is your abilities and then the order as well. So mm. the order play a part in Valhalla, more of a secondary driver in this game compared to I think Odyssey, like Odyssey, it was sort of the be all and end all as far as the cultists and getting to the bottom of that and, and taking down the big bad who is ultimately the head of of the order and the cultists. But in this, it's sort of just a, a pack in really. Like you kill some of these various members of of the cult throughout your your time in the game. Some can't be avoided because they're just forced into the mainline story. Yeah. Some of the others are just random ones you can find along the way. I'll get enough clues. But it was weird to me that uh, the the father, as as they call him, the, the head of the order at, at this this time in this game, they don't force you to find who that is and kill them. Like that's like an optional extra, mm. which I felt was a little bit strange. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think it's like I finished the game. We'll talk a bit more about like the endings of this game because it's kind of all over the place as far as like knowing when you're finished <laughs> but you know yeah. I, I finished what i thought was the main story and i was like oh like goodwin's dealt with he's kind of a the second the right hand man to i can't remember how to pronounce his name alfgar or alfred, alfred. yeah so, so he, yeah. he's like he's kind of the the big bad that i need to get to next but then the game was over so i was like oh okay i guess I need to do all these quests with the order to get to him or he'll pop up halfway through. I wasn't going to do that because I was so far behind, but I watched like the cutscene on, on YouTube to see what happens. And once you track down that last person and sure enough, he's, you know, living this civilian life now. And you have a conversation with him about his perspective on the order and, how it plays into religion and that from what i gather is a significant moment in the franchise of assassin's creed because it's kind of the it's the transition of the order 
turning from, I guess, cultists to the Templars, which is the kind of yeah. more um, Catholicism skewed thing that we've seen in like Assassin's Creed 2 with the Pope and with all the, the Vatican kind of like underworld and the Crusades and, and those the games that have like, I guess, that religious slant on on the, you know, the pieces of Adam or Eden or whatever the frig they're called. Like there's so many different offshoots, it's hard to keep up. But it, it really has become, I guess, in the historical timeline, like the Templars became this religious thing. And, and that there in Valhalla is where that started. Yeah, it's certainly the bridge to the the original entries into this series but it was just weird that it that the game didn't force you to go down that path mm. so much like once once you killed alfred's right hand man you had some you witnessed you witnessed some losses on your side as well but after that it was like oh well we've been defeated to a degree let's just go back to the settlement and you do that and you have your your powwow and sigurd hands over the the yaldum to you and whatever the else wedding. and yeah, and, and that's the game, really. Like, no credits roll. Mm. The game still goes on. The wedding ends and, like, then cuts to the next day and you're just still in the settlement hanging out and you're like, okay, someone going to give me a quest? Is yeah. someone going to update me and be like, we've, we've found where Alfred is. you got to go get him. And then you get there and you have that monologue and he goes, yep, I was the father all along of, of the order and blah, blah, blah. But the only way you get that mm. is by killing all the, all the order members and all the zeal at heavy hitter hired guns that also frequent this game. So it was really, really frustrating for me to have to go hunt them all down to get that bit of closure. Yeah. That's why I just did it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And those zealots, like, because uh, you, you get a quest, anyone that's listening that is just listening and, and they want to know the game and play it at a later date, you get a quest probably... 10, 15-ish hours into the game, maybe a little bit more, where you have an option where someone's sent a letter to the cultists to have these zealots come hunt you periodically through the game. Mm. You've got an option. If you spare that man's life, uh, he'll tell you where that letter is and you can burn it so these people don't hunt you. Don't burn the letter. Let the letter get posted and have the zealots come to you because that way you can just knock them off one at a time throughout your experience as opposed to trying to find them after the fact like I have, which takes so freaking long. Yeah. I mean, it could be really annoying since most of them are like way higher level than you for the first probably half of the game. Uh, that could be really frustrating because I was avoiding them, you know, for the, for the longest time because they were just so much higher level. From my understanding, uh, from what I only sort of had a brief skim on it uh, a few weeks back when I was sort of working through them, apparently they'll only like they'll try and track you down in the areas that they inhabit. So typically, right. areas of the game you're running around okay. in, the level cap would be close to what you're at anyway. So you're not going to get because there is a few in there that are like recommended 340 or 280 and stuff like that, and they can smack you down in one hit. So it plays to the the level constraints that you're working with currently. Well, that makes sense, yeah. But I mean, while we're kind of moving, kind of segueing into nitpicks and gripes, the amount of endings in this game is something that confused me and, and I probably think need to be a bit more clearer. Um, for, as, a, as a player, like, you know, we all like a bit of closure 
like knowing yeah. when the game's finished or what you have yeah, to we, do. Yeah, we want to see the credits roll. Yeah, <laughs> I was saying to you, like I artificially made the credits roll by going to them in the menu, which is the only way you can do it. But before I decided that I was done with the game, I just clicked on the credits so that I could, you know, tell myself that I'd finished the game, you know, <laughs> and you know the the obsessive compulsion is like, okay, the game's done, uh, but. From from what I gather from watching all these different endings on YouTube, when you come back from Norway, either with or without Sigurd, which we've already talked about, that's kind of the ending of the game. It's it's meant yeah. to be, and that's the that's the emotional payoff. That's the big like uh, alternate, you know, the the branching paths kind of ending that can be determined by your actions in the game, and then that last big mission which I talked about before with, you know, the final battle, the family reunion where I didn't remember anyone. That's meant to be like the epilogue of the game. And that's why it doesn't really feel like an ending. You know, it, you, you go back after the funeral, Eivor's lost his beliefs and um, then you have the wedding. Like that's all meant to be, I guess, just uh, extra padding. I was thinking like, oh, there's going to be another cutscene with uh, the present day, like Abstergo stuff with Bassim popping out of the Animus, or there's going to be an extra thing with the Order, like essentially that scene with Alfred, but it's, yeah, it just doesn't come until you essentially do everything that there is to do in the game. Yeah, it's weird. Like we sort of talked at the start of this pod about how there isn't really any hand-holding and they're just saying, here's this world, go, go have fun in it. And I guess they stay true to that yeah. right till the end yeah. where you do want everything wrapped with a bow and you see the credits roll and you're like, all right, nice. Now maybe I can go back in and do some random more world events or find the rest of that armor set or whatever. Mm. But instead you just get thrown back in after those after those missions and you go, felt like that's the end, but I don't know now. Like I'm guessing there's more and yeah. there really isn't. It's just, it's very strange decision-making from Ubisoft as far as how they're going to close that game off or not close it off. Yeah, I think it's a, a symptom of these open world games where the the game ends, but you can just keep playing in that it yeah, it kind of feels a bit like you, you don't have that satisfaction of like a, a closed book, like The Last of Us yeah. Part 2 or something like that, where it's like, or, or even if sometimes when you do finish an open world game, a message pops up and it's like, congratulations you finished the game if you'd like to you can complete these different tasks and you feel like yeah okay i've finished if i want to keep playing i can but in valhalla it's like have i finished am i missing something yeah if if i go to a certain town is someone going to walk up to me and say oh here's the last you know assassination contract or something it was very strange because i'm not completely certain but i'm 99.9 percent sure that at the end of Odyssey, when the when you get the ending and, and my ending, I had the good ending where uh, I ended up having the family back together and you're having a nice nice family dinner and everyone's smiling and having a great time. You know, you saved your brother from the order and whatever else and, and brought him back to reality. I'm pretty damn sure the credits rolled after that yeah. and then it started you on like the next day back in back in the in the feet of of the character and you could then keep going about your merry way i could have sworn the, the credits rolled on odyssey mm. yeah i think they did i think i probably would have expected this if it hadn't but yeah maybe maybe we're wrong <laughs> who knows but it's a hell of a story like it is 
it is a very long, long story, very dense, a lot of characters, a lot of uh, a lot of worlds to traverse, mm. not only in the, the ninth century, but present day, and then going into Asgard and, and Midgard and stuff like that. It is it's all over the shop, but somehow they managed to keep this thing on rails mm. to have a clear, cohesive story and an ending and somehow managed to blend science fiction with some historical truths and historical characters and modern day storytelling and fantasy and RPG and action and still all these things just chucked in a melting pot and it somehow still works and ends up with a fantastic, fantastic experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's a journey though. My goodness gracious, like uh, it's it's exhausting how big this game is. And yeah. I don't mean that in a negative way, but... There were times when I'd play it and I'm like, okay, I need to have a break because there's just so much going on and I need to need to stretch my Viking legs and uh, mm. put the controller down for a little while. Maybe play something else and come back to, to Eivor and her exploits. Yeah. <laughs> well, while we're kind of not too far away, like you meant you brought up collectibles before. Um, I don't think there's anything like remarkable really about the collectibles. It's more of what we've come to expect. You know, there's treasures there's roman artifacts which would have been called something different in previous games there's the um tattoos that you can chase after and i think they've been shanties and different things in previous mm -hmm. iterations uh this time they introduced like abilities that you could find like these books of knowledge books of knowledge yeah. and that, i thought that was kind of a cool way to ex uh play with the the skill tree a bit more and and boost them up but overall i just felt like there was way too much of them like there really was like i think there's there's 12 melee abilities and 12 ranged abilities and then you can find two books to get them to max level so you can yeah. level that ability again to get more damage or additional perks triggering off that ability so it's kind of cool but at any one time you can only have four of each so you've got eight of them mm. for i either melee or range that just sit in the dust so yeah having so many yeah. treasures and stuff kind of just makes them feel less meaningful and like i like a game where you're compelled to get like literally every collectible because it feels like it makes a difference and there's so many in this game on top of a game that's already huge that i feel like you just have to start ignoring them. I think I mentioned that before. Like you just have to get to that point where you're like, uh, if I can't grab it within like a minute of trying to find it, then I'm just going to keep going. I, I went down a few rabbit holes trying to find ways into these random crypts and mm. things like that and find the well to shoot the top off to get into yeah. or the underground area to swim in to, to get it. And I, I wish I had the 60 second rule where if I can't yeah. get in, I'm done. I spent half an hour sometimes trying to find entrances in to find certain bits of loot. That was one of my uh, gripes, my though. Like, I felt like with a game that's this big, I just wish it had more respect for my time because yeah. you would you would go to that effort and, you know, you'd go behind the waterfall and you'd follow the cavern through and you'd finally get there and there's the chest and then it's locked and you go, okay, so now i got to go find a key. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to spend another 10, 15 minutes looking for a key only to have to come back here. I'm just going to move on. Yeah, it, it was sort of deflating at times with things like that because 
the the sense of exploration and then finding like getting to the chest or getting to the item and then it turns around and says sorry player you got to go kill somebody to get the key or you you missed that random stick that was holding the key 15 minutes ago back yeah. there you know <laughs> on on your bike i'll see you again in, in half an hour like yeah it it was a bit frustrating in in that way uh as far as the loot and abilities and everything else like that i think i don't really have probably a huge amount more to add like as i said i stayed with the same armor set the whole time once i settled on my weapons i was good but there is a lot of different armor sets Mm. and and weapons that you can find that are collectibles within the world that would lend itself to however you want to play this game which i think is really cool uh but yeah just just make some of the puzzles a little less complex or, yeah. or less frustrating. I will throw on top of that while we're talking about uh, the armor and stuff. There's some really special collectible legendary kinds of armor. Like you can get Thor's armor. Um, I think it connects to, I stumbled across the cavern with the statue with the slits in it that you have to shove the, yeah, the daggers you, you into. Yeah, you've got to kill these. you got to kill these three sort of uh, witches yeah. to get the daggers to put them in there. Yeah, I haven't finished that yet. I've got... I think I've got two of the three daggers done, right. but I just lost interest because I'm like, I'm probably not going to wear this anyway. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, I stumbled across that in the game and then looked it up and it's like, oh, you have to beat these three and they're level 300 or whatever. And I was probably like level 60 at the time. And I was just like, I'm never going to do that. Um, I guess I could, but the payoff is that you can get Thor's hammer, Molnir, and Excalibur uh, of obviously like King Arthur legend, which... It's pretty cool. I feel like they're the kinds of things that would be great to have not once you've already finished the entire game and you're just cleaning up and going and doing all those end game kinds of things. It would have been great yeah. to, you know, I mean, I guess there's going to be DLC and they probably maybe they assume that it's for the hardcore players and that it's going to have its uses. But, and then again, it's probably so overpowered that it, maybe it, it does ruin the game. But, I like that those things are in there. Um, mm. Things like Stonehenge being connected to to um, to some of those items where they're like deep underground of, of those kind of mythic areas of, of mystery and making the world and its its mysteries tie into the lore of Assassin's Creed is is kind of cool as well. Yeah, most definitely, most definitely that. That Thor set's certainly cool. Like, obviously, we had the uh, the Wonder Woman armor set in Odyssey that mm. you could rock around in, which I was uh, I was rolling around in uh, during my playthrough of, of Odyssey for the most part. And, yeah, the Thor set in, in Valhalla. There's also a Master's set, it's called, which is sort of an early, like, Assassin's Creed garb like um, oh, yeah. that you can, you can unlock. I think I've got four of the five pieces of that as well, which is kind of cool, but... Yeah, there's just so much to see and do in this game. And even though I've clocked 100 plus hours in it, I still feel I've got maybe 30%, maybe 40% mm. more exploration to do in this world yeah, and, sure. and whatever it's going to show it me. It is insane. Like I, I checked. I'm at 75 hours and I look around and I'm level 312, like power level 312. And there's like so many little dots like gold and blue dots left on the map for me to explore like i've it's like i've done half of them that's crazy it's just it's dumb (laughs) there's a lot to this game um my last nitpicks and gripes uh i did briefly touch on 
the the settlement not being customizable enough from an aesthetic perspective. Mm-hmm. That's one. And the other one that I wanted to bring up here, I don't know if it's going to make me sound a bit pervy or not, but <laughs> when when you start this game up for the first time and there's a slider with if you want nudity on or off, you naturally expect you're going to see a lot of nudity in this game. And I counted four sets of boobies that I saw in one quest where you're getting, uh, I think it might have been Rolo out of the brothel uh, who actually helps with the yeah. the kidnapping storyline that you talked mm-hmm. about earlier. You get him out of the brothel where he's tied up and getting whipped and whatever else and SNM'd <laughs> with the women. You see four topless women in that and that's it. And like when when you're having these these sexual encounters with people, all you get is them leaning in to, to have a kiss then it's fade to black and it's the next morning and you're hopping off the bed and, and walking away. I'm mm. like, where's where's the Viking lovemaking here? Show me something. Yeah, it's like the Truman Show. They always fade to black or show like, you know, chimes in the wind or something like artsy to to cover over those <laughs> those moments. And yeah, I guess that's them going for like less than an R rating, which... Um, I can understand it's a huge mainstream game and they don't want <laughs> to, to to get slapped with that. But when you see the slider at the beginning of the game, it kind of does set up an expectation. Especially when, like on one end, decapitations and dismemberings oh, yeah. are fine yeah. and they're throwing them around like there's no one's business. But yeah, heaven forbid we see a, a butt cheek or mm. something or more than more than eight breasts like the world's ending if we see nine breasts yeah. don't know why with oh, i guess maybe she was sitting on angles that's why but all lost one in a fight but yeah it's um <laughs> minor gripe but i just wanted to bring that up because i thought you've set the expectation right off the jump here ubisoft and then you lied to me you lied to me for a hundred and something plus hours so what the hell yeah i'm sure you're just waiting for the next cutscene. It just never came. Yeah, I was just hoping for it. And like, especially when I was uh, started dating Petra, I'm like, okay, we might get a nice intimate, uh, you know, lesbian romance that's budding here and, and see some, some nice tender lovemaking. And then, no, nope, fade to black. We're going hunting again. I'm like, oh my God, what a jip. Mm. I, I mean, in, what in a fairness, jip. it's a hard thing to animate, I'm sure. Like some of the most awkward cutscenes in video game history is any time two characters kiss oh yeah i don't don't mind if if the if the sex scene itself looked rigid and and alien like Like the witcher i just want to i just want the choice yeah Yeah, the witcher or the mass effect sex scenes and things like that but uh all right let's let's move on to that and talk about uh, i guess what we can probably both agree on is the inevitable sequel yes it's coming this franchise cannot be stopped cannot be killed and now we've got Basim in the modern day, mm. trudging around modern day America. Loki is reborn as Basim, hanging out in 2020 uh, with bloody Poseidon's trident or whatever it is, <laughs> yep, <laughs> you know. Yep. And he's like talking to it because it's holding the holding the essence of his wife in it or something. Oh, I, man, I, I couldn't quite yeah, I comprehend it all. But what do you think is going to happen next? Where are they going to take it location-wise? Ooh. What are they going to do with... Uh, assassin's creed modern day Hmm. working title i mean it's always hard to pick what's next it's just like in your head going through what historical eras haven't been covered and i guess there's a a 
a big chunk of medieval time that maybe hasn't been done. Um, there's obviously the, the Japanese samurai kind of Ghost of Tsushima <laughs> kind of era that hasn't been touched on that people have been asking for for so long. I wonder if they can't do that because Tsushima's d- just done it so well and they'd be seen yeah. as copying. But I think that they could uh, tackle a different era of um, of history in Japan because it's not as if, you know, Tsushima's... A, it's a very specific time in Japanese yeah, history. Yeah, it's, and- it's a small island. But if you did, like, pick one of the one of the many dynasties and just focused mm-hmm. on that, there's a lot of war and conflict and turmoil that they could certainly make a story off of. That's for damn sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I haven't... Nothing else really jumps to mind historically for, for that. I mean, there's different time periods that have been covered already, but you could always go to a different part of the world to see what's happening. Um, you know, Israel and, and like kind of the Middle East was something that was covered in the very... F- very first game i wonder if they could maybe jump back to that or somewhere else in the african continent uh morocco or something it's it's probably not as sexy as your you know egypt and greece and you know uh, england even and um trying to think what else they've done but yeah it's just i think it's at the point where people buy these games regardless (laughs) The, the, the yeah. setting probably pulls a few people in. Like there's, there'd be people that have specific interests in Egypt or, or whatever it might be that will go, oh, yeah, I want to check out that. I want to climb the pyramids. But the last three, especially Assassin's Creed's have been so strong and I think they've gotten better each time that, yeah, I will be eager to see what's next. And I like that... They're taking their time a bit more. I think it was two years between Odyssey yeah. and this, and they didn't announce it until it was six months out. So we, we probably won't know for a while. And they'll, they'll, as we said, be supporting this with some expansions or DLC missions. Yeah, I think I think they're on the right track. Like as you said, this is this is three very very good games in a row now from this series. Mm. Uh, and and that's not something that you can often say in a long running series that is that is creeping up towards sort of double digit mainline entries. You think they're just sort of mailing it in by now, but they're reinventing the the gameplay. They're reinventing uh, how you approach certain things, bringing in new mechanics, new worlds. But yeah, I don't know where the next period piece would be set, and I don't know what the hell they're gonna do with Loki slash Basim in modern day. Mm. Like I have it's no weird, idea where the buggeries they're gonna go with that. That just seems so strange to me. Yeah, I don't fully understand his motivations and how he's gonna work with Abstergo. It's a it's a confusing kind of twist in the in the story. Is he a bad guy? Is he not a bad guy? Like I don't even. I don't really understand where he. It feels he to lies. me like he's a bad guy. It was weird to me seeing him though in like a hoodie yeah. and jeans and stuff at the end of the game, like just hanging out, just yeah. just searching on a computer, like you know, browsing yeah. the internet, like it's like it's just second nature to him already. He should have way more culture shock, I think, than he does. <laughs> yeah, it's... but I guess when you are an ageless god, yeah, <laughs> nothing surprised him, and and maybe the the technology in the uh, in the machine he True. was plugged into for so long made him a very 
very aware of of internet and yeah. whatnot. I don't know. The, I have no idea. The Star- they didn't really explain a huge amount of that, did the, they? The Stargate tech maybe is more impressive anyway. Yeah. But uh, I'm excited for more and I'm excited for this game and for people to play it. And I'm excited for the DLC that's going to come out sometime in 2021. I'm going to play the buggeries out of that and see what they can bolt on top of what we've already got, which is a very, very big meal. Mm. Like, uh, you know, this thing's a 10-courser. Like, you roll out of this with the the belts undone, the top button undone as well. Like, you are stumbling from your table to, to the bedroom after after sort of devouring this game. And it's it's a journey and an experience. And I loved every minute of it. And, yeah, I can't speak highly enough of it, man. Is there anything else you want to say before we close this down? Because I think we're... Yeah. We've crawled over two hours on uh, Valhalla. <laughs> wow. I mean, if we got an hour out of um, Miles Morales, that makes sense that we could talk for this long. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask, do you want them to go to a new area with DLC or bring something additional to the current map that would then give you extra reason to, you know, while you're there, oh, there's a world event I missed. There's some loot that I missed. I wouldn't mind them maybe going back to Norway for more because truth be told, I didn't do a huge amount there. Like there's still more that I have to do like Ragnar's old um, generals or whoever they are that are hiding around the world and you can, you still want to give them an honorable death. I haven't killed all them yet. So maybe, maybe have some kind of conflict where you need to go back to Norway. Maybe there's like a, a, like a a war feuding over there between rival Jarls or something. And you've got to go over and sort Mm. of uh, squash that because I think I've had enough of England for now. So either send me to Norway or send me somewhere totally new. Not Asgard though. <laughs> not Asgard or not that other random... Where is that other random country you go to where no one speaks English? Yeah. What country is that meant to be? Apparently it's Finland. Okay, Finland. I wasn't sure. Vin- I thought it was Finland. Iceland, but yeah. I wasn't sure. I had no idea where I was. I thought I might be in America because there's turkeys and I thought there was Native Americans running around, but no, nah, I was, I was yeah. way off. <laughs> Yeah, but no, definitely, definitely give me more Norway or a new location. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. I think I did feel like the game was too big. Like in, in a sense, it's kind of the opposite of what we talked about in Miles Morales, where it was like a really, you know, tight experience that gave you everything that you wanted, left you feeling like satisfied and didn't wear out its welcome. This is not trying to do anything like that it's the complete opposite it's like here's everything you could possibly like here's not only a meal like here's not only a steak but here's like every thing in the supermarket for the rest of the yeah you know to last you for the rest of the month and yeah here's the herd of cattle that we cut that steak yeah. from like yeah it's uh it's a lot to take on but that's that's not a bad thing like it is a very very well done game graphically great acting's great it's not a bad thing unless you are short on time which a lot of people are and if you are then you might want to just pick your moment as i said before don't try and play this when there's a bunch of stuff like cyberpunk about to come out because you'll most likely put it down and not pick it up for a while and then you'll realize even though you're 30 hours in you've still got another 45 hours to go yep yep just uh just get ready because it's a journey. Yeah, and uh, try and try and memorize the the songs that you you cruising as you're cruising <laughs> down the rivers and things like that, or the stories. I like that little part of it, but that's I think where we'll mm-hmm. where we'll park this episode of Spoiler Cast. 
Thanks everyone for, for dropping in. Uh, be sure to rate, view, subscribe on the podcast player of your choosing, preferably iTunes slash Apple Podcasts if you can, because those ratings and reviews help keep us tracking on those charts and uh, means an awful lot to us. Takes no time and costs you no money to do that. Be sure to follow us as a whole at We Are 8-Bit. You can find Jono at Jono himself and myself, excuse me, beer burps, at Brendan 8-Bit on all them socials. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love. Stay hungry. Stay uh, stay drunk on those mead horns. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My goodness, uh, Avor can put them bad boys down. <laughs>